handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm sitting here with my right-hand man, Jake Gallo. we got Stat Matt behind the camera crunching numbers, and we'll talk to Jules Schmitz a little bit later. But first and foremost, we have to welcome on a very distinguished guest yes, to the Straight Facts podcast, former Villanova Wildcat and national champion, creator of the Stay Tuned Network, media personality. He wears a whole lot of hats. We call him D-Ray, Daryl Reynolds. What's up, D-Ray? Say what's up to the people. What's going on with y'all? How y'all doing, man? Oh man, we're we're good, man. We're good not now. You're in the building. It's a it's a big day for for the Wildcats as we're recording this episode. They were they're at Seton Hall tonight on senior Seton Hall's That's senior a big night. One. Uh, I, I know it's yeah. a tough test. How you feel? I can hear it in your voice, man. How you feeling about that? I mean, it's it's a, it's a big night. Um, obviously for both teams, you know, going over just dropping that one to Providence and going up there against Seton Hall with them sitting where they are in the Big East is huge. Uh, I say a year like that because it's going to be a game regardless, and that's the beauty of playing Seton Hall. But obviously, you you, you wouldn't want to catch them, um, you know, on a night that's, that's as emotional as this form. But at the end of the day, none of that stuff matters when the ball goes up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So we're, we're going to see. It's, it's going to be a great game regardless. It's just, it's just uh, that building for me has, no matter how good the outcome, that building has always been a fight. Yeah, of of course. I mean, these these two teams know each other very well. I mean, when I was at the game when Seton Hall came to Philly and played at the Wells Fargo Center, and I mean, after Seton Hall won, you would have thought they won the national championship, <laughs> man. Like the, all the yeah. Seton Hall fans were so happy. The band was playing outside, and I just kept saying with my one friend, I was like, "Enjoy it. You can have the regular season. Do they even give banners for a regular season championship? Like for a biggie shit? Like I don't even know. Like you can have the regular season. We we shine when it matters most, but." It's definitely going to be a tough atmosphere. It's Miles Powell's last game at home, so you, I mean, we we know what he can do. He, he might shine out, but um, yeah, it's definitely definitely going to be a tough one. I'm pulling I'm pulling for my cats, but you know, in in that same vein, you know, we, we're talking about the great season that Seton Hall is having. You know, this season amongst you know the the other powerhouses in the Big East, Villanova, Creighton has emerged as a very good team. Xavier has done its thing this year. In, in your opinion, D. Ray, being very up and close and personal with the Big East this year, who do you think emerges as, as Big East champions in the middle of March? I mean, at Hold on, you saying for the tournament? For the for the tournament. Like I said, I don't care about the regular season. Whoever can have the regular season, I'm worried about the Big East tournament. The Big East tournament. Like who 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 wins um, it in the garden? Because of the experience, obviously they're not. You know, it's not looking like they're going to go into the tournament as a number one seed. Right. Um, and I, I think that's fine. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that's exactly the end all be all. Um, but the experience that they have in the tournament, you know what they did. Uh, not only last year, but the year before that, you know, these guys who are juniors on this team have two Big East tournament titles already. You know what I mean? So that that experience means something. But like I said, the, the Big East is, is, is a crazy conference um, this year. You know, Seton Hall doing great, like you said. Xavier doing their thing. Uh, obviously, Creighton, kind of a dark horse for a lot of people, just kind of, not unless it came out of nowhere, but nobody expected Creighton. If anything, I mean, in the beginning of the season, it looked like DePaul was going to be that team that was going to, you know, break yeah, out this year. But that's true. Big ups to Creighton, you know, Coach McDermott, everything they're doing over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the beauty of it is, as a as a fan of Villanova, obviously, yes, 
it's competitive. You know, this isn't looking like a year where it's going to be a number one seed and you have to deal with that. But as a fan of the Big East, like, you couldn't be happier, you know, with the ability of so many teams to be able to compete, to be mentioned down the line in March. You know, you hear talks about Stephen Hall not being a Final Four team, being a national championship team. You hear talks about Creighton being uh, undoubtedly a Sweet 16 team. You mm-hmm. know, Xavier, to my way, they get seeded. Obviously, Villanova's in those talks. And, like, to have, you know, schools um, in a position to not only, you know, make the conference competitive, but then March just as competitive, that's, that's pretty decent. Yeah, and, and it's funny. We mentioned Seton Hall, and when you compare them to Villanova, uh, th- there's a stark contrast there, at least in my opinion. When you look at Nova's top two scorers, Sadiq Bay, Colin Gillespie, you know, they weren't top 100 players. We all know Jay Wright. He's about team basketball, sharing sharing the basketball, and they do a great job of that. And on the other side of Seton Hall, you have Miles Powell, who's averaging just under 22 points per game. They've got a great rim protector in Gill, 3.4 blocks per game, which was crazy. I didn't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, that's insane to be putting up those type numbers. But how do you crack a team like Seton Hall, which is so solid, and they have that star power, if you are Villanova, with your team style ball? I mean, I, I think that with a team like Seton Hall, it's um, Miles is going to get his. I, I think Max. with teams like that, with so much, you know, if it, if it was a, a snake, it's such a big head on the snake. Like, you know, they always say cut the snake off, you know, cut, cut the head off the snake of the team, and, you know, you won. Like for the Lakers, they would say LeBron, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And mm-hmm. somebody would say Giannis uh, with the Bucks. I think with somebody who scores as much as Miles Powell, who's going to get his, it's not so much about shutting him down because you're not. It's just how hard does he have to work to get those 20 points. You know what I mean? Like, all right, if he goes off for, you know, and I've seen this sometimes in my career, you have a guy that you kind of, I'm not going to say you give him the green light to go off, but if he's doing so much, nobody else can get involved. The issue is that's their game plan. So it's not necessarily (laughs) something that's crazy to see Miles Powell put up 20 shots in a game. Right Now, if Miles Powell put up 20 shots, and, you know, obviously this hasn't happened this year, but never say never. And they were all threes and he had 60, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. different. Now, if he got to that 60 off 35 shots, 40 shots, now you're looking at the game from a, a, a you know, a stats perspective, they're not getting out in this transition as many times. They're not getting as, off, as many offensive rebounds. Because he's putting up so many shots. Well, you would hope right. he's not putting up those shots off offensive rebounds. But if he's putting up that many shots trying to chase his number or chase whatever he's going to get, or, you know, they kind of fall into that offensive scheme where they do where you really just see uh, four guys standing around and Miles Powell doing his thing, and they're either setting screens on to come off staggers or whatever. Um, I think it's about just making him work. I think they actually had the right idea last time when they put Sadiq Bay on him and gave him some uh, length to kind of bother Yeah, gave him some height. And, the, yeah, the issue yeah. is when you have other players going off. And, you know, just like you said, you was at the, uh, the Seton Hall game at Wells Fargo. And we kind of saw it firsthand, like, all right, Miles Powell wasn't killing just yet. Oh, he was the, game, he but, was the, but in the second know, half, you know, D-Ray. going on, oh. McKnight is getting hit, yeah. and, you know, Merrill Gill's getting dunked, and you have all these guys, and Shavar Reynolds is, you know, is, is, is scoring. And next thing you know, it becomes a lot harder because this problem that seemed like to be a one-player type of problem, which is Seton Hall has turned into a team full of guys who always have done their thing on defense, but when they start clicking on offense, you know, together – they become very difficult to stop. Right. And um, it's just, it's crazy to see like the growth and maturity of Seton Hall. I watched them last year in the Big East Championship game, and I obviously watched Miles Powell do his thing. Um, but, I, but I saw a team that, that 
didn't look like they had it yet. They they weren't there yet. And to, to see that growth and maturity from one year to the next, to not take a step back, but to add more pieces, they got some good transfers. And I mean, it's a team that looks like they want retribution from last year. It's a team that looks like we know who the juggernaut is in the Big East, and we know who we need to beat. And they look like they're just gunning for Nova. Like, do you feel that? Do you feel like, like Seton Hall is kind of like everybody else is a consolation prize? We want the Wildcats. I mean, yeah, like, like you said, when they when they won at Wells Fargo, you would have thought they won the national championship game. I was actually working for the Big East that day, so I'm walking down the tunnel and I hear, I finally got one big fella. I yeah. turn around and I see Miles with his hands in the air. And, you know, that's not to take away from it. You know what I mean? They talk about, especially that game, it was more like, it was a stat I think was out there about them not winning in Philly since 94. Yeah, some Nova, crazy. Something crazy. Some crazy. Like 94, 96, yeah. one of the two years. So, you hear all these like crazy stats and these records that they broke. And then obviously, like I said, as a fan of the Big East, you tip the hat to them. As a Nova fan, you hate it. But as a fan of basketball, you just got to respect what they're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't think they're just, uh, you know, kind of saving up everything for Villanova. I think they very much will want that title. But it's, it's let's let's call it what it is. People don't like to see the same people winning over and over and over and over and over again. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it gets, it gets boring. It gets People old, right? It gets old. The ones they're beating on their way to it. And like I said, I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm not. I'm not trying to inflate Villanova, but over these past couple of years, you know, the conference has kind of become predictable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For some yeah. People, and for some people, that's a great thing. Obviously, if someone represents Villanova. Yes, that's a great thing. But you know, to... other teams that they're, they're tired of it. I was about to, to say, D. Right? Uh, a league. Sorry. I was, as I was, as the Big East is, you have teams that not only have uh, the heart and the wherewithal to make it happen, uh, but the talent, you know, to go out and get players to compete. And mm-hmm. Like I said, it's just, I like it. Iron sharp as iron. I think the beauty of it is, is now as Villanova, you, you have to, um, you know, look inward. It's like, all right, how do we step our game up? You know what I mean? How do, how do we continue to compete? And I, I think in the game of basketball, you know, it's like going to the court you know, with the older kids and getting your ass kicked. Like, it makes you better. It <laughs> right. makes you better. And I think that's what's ultimately happening. But I would be remiss to say if this year doesn't look like Seton Hall is going to, um, you know, do their thing. Right. But at the same time, it's March. We all know things start happening real crazy this month for some reason. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to write anybody off. Right. I mean, I was about to say, when you were going off, like, it's it's okay. You're in a safe space. If you want to be biased <laughs> and say Nova is the best team in the country, we're the best team in the Big East, you know, it it, it, it falls on us. That's okay. I'll shut Jake up before he turns. I'm not going to meet much resistance from James <laughs> you know, on that I'm, one. I'm wearing, you can't see me, but I'm wearing my Villanova Wildcats shirt. Like, I'm ready to go. So go ahead and let it fly, D-Ray. You don't got to be coy. But um, you talked a lot about how good. You talked a lot about how how good the Big East is. How you talk talked about it. Iron sharpens iron. How 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 many juggernauts there is in this conference. And it's something we've talked about a lot on this podcast is really the emergence of the Big East as a whole in the conference. And right now, Bracketology has seen Hall as a two seed, Nova as a three seed, Creighton as a four seed, and with more teams like Butler, Xavier, uh, you know, DePaul has a chance to get in, St. John's has a chance to get in. Like the Big East might send a lot of teams to the tournament. How do you see as a whole? Like, how will the Big East teams fare in the NCAA tournament when they're playing outside of their conference? Um, I mean, right now, realistically, you hear six teams. Mm-hmm. Um, seven is a bit of a stretch. So that seventh being St. John's with the the, the 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 second half of the year, obviously DePaul with the first half of the year. That's very big in the wins they had, but 
you know, as a Big East Conference player, kind of, you know, kind of teeter a little bit. But obviously the five bona fide are uh, Butler, um, Seton Hall, Villanova, um, then Creighton, and, and Xavier. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I said, if you send out of a out of a ten team conference, the next year is going to be eleven team conference when you add UConn. If you're sending, you know, more than if you're sending half, or if that sixteen and seventeen make it more than half of the, of the conference to the tournament, I think that's a win in itself. How the Big East teams fare in the tournament has always kind of been up and down. Um, you know, I remember like my senior year, I'm pretty sure Xavier made it further than we did. Obviously, my junior year, we won the championship, so we made it further. Yes, Anybody sir. Made it put together a great year that year. I'm pretty sure they made it to the Sweet 16. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just see I see Seton Hall making it to um, the Elite Eight. I, you know, I, I see Seton Hall making it to the Elite Eight. I really can't speak on Nova and Xavier because, quite frankly, they're just too inconsistent. You know what I mean? I got I got to speak unbiased. You know, at, at times. I've seen Xavier this year. Good I'm man. just like, oh my God, that is the team. Right. And then other times it just looks like, you know, they, they couldn't they, they could mess up a cup of coffee. It's weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's weird how they kinda of go back and forth. But um yeah, I could see uh I, I could see Xavier and Nova kind of just falling wherever between, you know, the round of thirty two and, and the Elite Eight. Um but like I said, having those teams in there uh, is a win in itself. How they do when they get there is going to be very interesting, and I think that's what kind of spotlights how good the conference really is. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you can be great in your conference, but it's it's about what you do against everybody else on that big stage. And yeah, that's if a I good had to put my money on any two teams going the furthest, it'd be uh, Seton Hall and Villanova. I love Creighton, but a uh, tournament time shows you how important defense is. Yeah, and you can rebounding. be an offensive juggernaut, you know, all you want, but tournament time really makes you lock in. On defense, really, so, he's on both sides of the ball, but especially defense. D. Ray, you, you mentioned Seton Hall is the team that you like the most, and from a player's perspective, obviously, March last. I didn't say that. Hold on, hold on. I didn't say that. I didn't say I like Seton Hall the most. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, here he go, D. Ray. Like here Hall. he go. I like him most. Go ahead. Here he go. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> but with Seton Hall, Miles Powell, obviously the best players we've talked about, um, and especially considering how things went last year against Wofford. Um, catching an L in that first round. How much does that weigh on a player's mind, um, especially when you're the leader of the team going into the tournament this time around, knowing this is your last time in the dance? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I, that's a great question. I think it weighs a ton. Um, I think the beauty of somebody like Miles Powell is that happened in his junior year. You know what I mean? And I was like, you, you said it, you said it right, the leader. He He really was. But it's different when that leader is, you know, a junior and, oh, I can come back next year mm-hmm. versus, oh, no, this is it. You know what I mean? I, I think that I could imagine that's going to add to his fire. Um, but to be honest, watching him play in person, um, it's very interesting to see what exactly motivates him. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some guys is kind of – it's obvious that they're chasing points. Some guys are obviously chasing championships. If you watch Russell Westbrook, it's obviously he's chasing triple doubles. You know what I mean? Like ah. in some guys, it's pretty easy to peg what they're after. And Miles seems to be a guy that just wants to keep his foot on the gas, and whatever happens, happens. Mm. And that type of guy is dangerous in the tournament, especially if he has some fuel, like you said from last year. Yeah, Miles Powell's a guy who, I mean, I, I think the world of, and especially when he comes up to that next level uh, and breaches into the NBA. Next year, speaking of, um, recently thing, some rumors have been swirling around 
uh, as they always usually do around Jay Wright whenever there's a coaching vacancy, uh, whenever there's an opening in the NBA. He's a name that gets brought up. From your time with Jay Wright, getting to know him, do you think there's ever a chance that he will leave Villanova, or is this a place where he's going to ride out his career? Please say no. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see him leaving Villanova. I see, and if I, if, if he does, I don't see him going somewhere else and coach. The only way I see Coach making that jump um, to a, a NBA team is if he's in a situation like Billy Donovan where he has a little more control than the average coach. Mm-hmm. Cause at the end of the day, you know, to call it what it is, a lot of times if they're looking to get rid of somebody first, it's probably a coach in the NBA. You yeah. know what I mean? It's somebody who's had the security and the love that he's had at Villanova. That doesn't sound like a, a logistical, you know, move to just, they just get up and go somewhere that is very much uh, on ice, especially the damn Knicks. Like, I'm just, like <laughs> to me, that should have been the red flag. And when people heard it was the Knicks, like, all right. All right, pop the brakes, Nuggets, dog. Pop you know, the brakes. Uh, right. Pop is stepping down from what's name? Somebody has to do the Spurs job. Yeah, yeah. that's different. But the Knicks, like, come on. I don't know Knicks. if you could pay me enough money to 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 run the Knicks. You just couldn't like you just couldn't pay me enough to be in that situation. To run the Knicks and deal with James Dolan. It's a double job that you're getting paid like, for. Oh my up there. god! All right, D. Rowe. Here's what we're gonna go into fantasy land real quick. Say Jay okay. Wright with a thug tear rolling down my face were to leave Villanova and go to the NBA. What team do you think what he would succeed the most at, or in turn? What team would succeed the most under Jay Wright, given like their current style, the current players they have? What team Spurs. would be the best fit for Jay Wright? The Spurs. The Spurs. Interesting. Far. Okay. Far. I mean, think about it. Think about it. He coached. He coached. He coached with Popovich in uh, in, the, in the USA, USA right? Games. You yeah. Know, I, I would be. I could imagine several things in that program come from the Spurs' philosophy. Um, if you watch the brand of basketball they play, from like you said, the amount of they they, they play a great passing game ain't a whole bunch of dribbling and iso ball they are very mm-hmm. much on the team game and at the end of the day let's call it what it is like greg popovich is the, is the coach in the league with the most control yep and not you know control from a tyrant standpoint not control from an economic standpoint just control as in his players listen to what he's saying he's a he's a true coach in the nba you can watch on the sidelines and see how many true coaches there are versus how many guys there are who were just hired to kind of corral a bunch of eagles oh like, speak that speak, speak the facts d right you know i mean yeah he talking so, he, he talking huh? i say you, you talking speaking facts but um <laughs> no but that's but that's a great point especially with the the player makeup that that the spurs have that that's very important and the jay wright is not opposed to sending players to the league there's villanova players all over the league right now and a bunch are doing very great things in your opinion which player are you most impressed with from Villanova who's performing right now in the NBA? Most impressed with? Um, I'll probably have to say Mikel because he's staying quiet. He's staying quietly consistent. Yeah, you know I mean, like Kel has a has a very. Um, I'm not going to say it's like his career at Nova because obviously he had a great career, but when you look at his career at Nova, it wasn't that flashy, you right. know, yet he's still registering, especially like his, his last year, you know, mm-hmm. he's registering 20 points, something like that. And it's he has this weird way of kind of like just getting things done consistently without making a ton of noise. Yeah, Obviously the most exciting to watch right now is uh, is Eric. But yeah. like I said, Mikel is probably the one I'm most impressed with because he's in his second year and how consistent he's staying. 
And and with the success of Pascal, do you think that guys like I mean, for instance, Sadiq Bay is kind of in the same mold, and these guys who they're who Villanova has been churning out um, really fit today's NBA very well. Where maybe before you know you're an undersized big who comes in and they call you a tweener. Now you come in and you can be the center on a team while only being six five. Shout out PJ Tucker. So do you think that? <laughs> Do you think that the way that Jay Wright has been breeding his bigs is conducive to being successful in the NBA for that size guy? Good word. <laughs> uh, I I think big is a is a loose term. I, I think these guys are. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think the best way to put it is this: um, when Coach Wright did the whole small ball thing. Um, back when Kyle Lowry and Alan Ray and all of them and Randy Ford and all those guys were around. And it seemed crazy. I don't know if he knew that's where the game was going, but obviously if you if you put that team um, out now, it doesn't seem as crazy. You know what I mean? So I think his style has always been smaller and faster versus bigger and stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think I think part of it is it, it might be his personality. Uh, you know, for, for, for a part of it, you know, like he was a guard, like coach, right. He's a guard coach because he was a guard. Obviously right. he knows basketball, but you know, you're talking to a guy who plays D1 basketball at the guard levels. I mean, at the guard position. So mm-hmm. I think part of it is that, but um, no, I, I think that he's always kind of just coached guys to be, you know, they were to do a little bit of everything. And I think what's really happening is he's putting out players that are very versatile. And in the NBA, he saw with some of his older guys, like, you got to be able to do several things. Like, people, you know, forget that there was a point where Kyle Lowry really could not shoot three. You know what I mean? He was very much a driver first. Like, in college, you don't see him shoot a whole lot. You see him drive the ball almost every damn play. He just, he was so hard to stop. And his his finishing ability was so good. Um, But in the NBA, he had found out he really had to get a a, a three-point shot and a consistent three-point shot. And he's worked on it his entire career. I think what's really happening is, uh, you know, the guys in the league, you know, from Jalen being a guard that post up from time to time to Mikel being a guy who can play three positions out there on the floor to Eric being suitable for the quote-unquote center position in today's league, but also, you know, able to kind of get in his ISO bag, you know, from the elbow or whatever. Like, I think he's just putting out, and I, I can attest to this, complete players. He's yeah. putting out guys who really don't have a ton of, weaknesses in their game because it was what he preached when we were at the school. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. now you're seeing a bunch of guys in the NBA who they're just in a different position or they're just in a position that seems a little bit different than Villanova, but they could have always did that stuff. Right. You know and, I mean? and that's that's what's the most coveted thing in the NBA right now. Whether you're five foot ten or seven foot one, you gotta be able to dribble, pass and shoot. You gotta be able to do all three. And those exactly. are the exact type of players that that Jay Wright breeds and brings out. And the next one in the forefront is Sadiq Bey. Now, he, he's not a senior. He could come back, but he's flying up, you know, draft boards, and he's getting draft stock more and more by the day. And it, it's a person that I really hope stays because next year that that Villanova team, if everybody comes back, is primed to be one of the, if not the best team in the country. Like, what do you, do you see Sadiq Bey leaving, or do you think he's primed to come back for a senior year? I think if Sadiq gets to the end of the year and it's one of those things like you're a guaranteed first round pick, I think it's kind of foolish to come back at that point. I'm sorry. Man, but I don't want I him to go. I think if they're telling you, um, you know, like your 
a bona fide first round pick. Like you will be going to the NBA. You will be picked at this position. Like when they pick up that damn phone and say, <laughs> pick this. You know what I mean? Like if you're in that position yeah. to me, it's kind of foolish. And I, I sell people with that program that agree it's foolish to go yeah. back. You can always pay for education. You only got so many years on your legs. Right. But I think of a situation where he gets the end of the year and they say, eh, maybe first round, maybe second round. Then at that point, it's just like, man, fuck it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry for the language. Nah, nah we embrace it. We back, embrace it. Uh, what did you say? I said, we embrace it. Go ahead. Go ahead. My use problem. that language. <laughs> but, you know, then you, at that point, it makes no sense to leave. You go back, you finish the job, um, whatever the job may be and in his case. And, you know, you, you, you do it again. And then at that point, you know, if they're saying, all right, you're a bona fide person I'll pick after that or – if you were on the fence, you know, I, I could imagine if you were on the fence one year and you're a guy who – it's certain guys like like we all know the story of Melo Trimble. Like Melo mm-hmm. Trimble should have left after his freshman year. You know, there are certain guys that they put together such a body of work in one season. It's kind of like you can't get any better than that, so it's probably your best bet to leave totally now. And then there's other guys that know your, your stock's going to keep climbing. you got to add this to your game, add that to your game. How at us in a year. Right. And I honestly think if Sadiq does that, he might be looking at one of the top draft picks. Oh, man. And it's also the vein of there's a million dollars staring you in the face. I, I can preach, no, stay, win a national championship, get better. But if someone's offering me millions of dollars at the sign of a pen, like D-Ray, I'm, t- I'm, <laughs> I'm taking that opportunity. Like, I just, I'm, exactly. I'm not going to pass that opportunity up. Exactly. And uh, just one last thing before we move on to our Speaking Facts segment uh, D-Ray is my, my buddy at work, work at radio.com, and he put out an article of uh, the top 16 colleges that have the best alumni in 2020. Villanova, I don't know if you yeah. saw this article, Villanova he yeah, has he as the 16th, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, as the 16th ranked seed. I don't know if you got a chance to look over those other teams, but I'll just read off Villanova's team. Kyle Lowry, Dante DiVincenzo, Mikael Bridges, Eric Paschal, Omari Spellman. Everybody but Kyle Lowry is drafted in the last two years. Right. So how do you think that they fare? And if you could choose any college, who would be your choice? Uh, So I think it was weird that Josh wasn't on that list. Yeah. And that's no offense to anybody else, but I I think that was kind of weird that, that he wasn't on that list. Um, is that that just I don't know that just didn't that just didn't sound right you know what I mean like I was like that's kind of I don't know who you take off like I said I leave that up for for whoever's listening but that was kind of weird to me first of all obviously that high of that high of a C was also weird <laughs> but I mean to to be honest can't the level of uh I'm, was who was number one was it was it Kentucky's number of one of course it's Kentucky Kentucky man. has like three teams deep that are just nuts that they could roll out yeah so okay so Kentucky. I mean, come on. Like, let's call it. Like, all right, off rip. <laughs> AD and Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, off you know rip. what I mean? Like, so Kentucky <laughs> has some dogs. Um, I think Duke being pretty high up there was nice. Michigan State, uh, I expected to be higher. Yeah, me too. Um, but they, you know, it, it seemed reasonable. Uh, like I said, I would take, I would put Josh on that list. I feel like Nova would have to definitely move a little bit closer to that one seed. But for the most part, it made sense when you talk about the body of work that those alum have put together in the NBA. Like, uh, you know, you look at Kansas, like, you know, you have the Morris twins and Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think the Morris twins are on that list of people. So it's like that just goes to show you, like, how deep they are. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, I was definitely – the reason you heard that growing at the beginning was, like, when I saw it, and Nova was like the – it was like, what, the 16th or 17th? The 16th? Like, oh, it's, 
As, as soon as you open up the yeah, article, man. Nova's right there. Like, I didn't expect to see Nova as soon as I opened up the article. Like, I, I'm trying to scroll to see Nova. The fact that they're exactly. right up there don't make sense. You know who I was impressed with? I really like UCLA. You think I'm a sneaky good yeah. team? sneaky good team. Like, you, you think about, you know, you going back, you're like, I haven't really heard much splash of UCLA candidates. But then you look back, you got Russell Westbrook, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, all the holidays, really, all three of them. Yeah, Zach exactly. Levine and Kevin Love. And I'll tell you what. If you put fat Kevin Love back on that Yo, UCLA team. Fat Kevin Love is OP, oh my man. God. He that's was a beast. A, that's a walking 24 and 12. So I really like that UCLA team. What, what about you, Jake, before we go? That, that's perfect small ball, man. You got four guards out there and like a stretchy center with Love. I, I really like that team, actually. That mm-hmm. might, that might yeah, be my pick. That might be my pick for the, for the best team out, but I don't know. That's, that's true. All right, D-Wright, we're going to move on. To our last segment that we got you on here, we call it our speaking facts segment. So we've we've picked out a couple of quotes in the sports landscape, and we're gonna we're gonna present them to you, and you just gotta tell me if this person is speaking facts or he's not speaking facts. That makes sense. Easy enough, right? Yeah. All right, ready. So the first one, our man, our guy, Lavar Ball. You can't go more than a couple months without Lavar Ball being. In the news or in headlines, he's been good right? Recently, since his since his boy went to the Pelicans, he's been pretty good. Yeah, but, but now that they might buy for an eight seed, he's rearing his ugly head again, <laughs> and he's saying stuff. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the part where he said Leangelo Ball is going to lead the league in scoring one day. We're gonna skip over that. He said on TV that <laughs> you the Pel- bring on a little madness. <laughs> <laughs> for real, he said on national TV that the Pelicans would beat the Lakers if they met in the first round of the playoffs this year. Is Levar Ball speaking facts? Hold on. Would be who? <laughs> no, you heard it right. He said the Lakers. LeBron James, AD, and them. He said the Pelicans will beat the Lakers if they meet in the first round of the playoffs. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. And it, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's really off of, it's really off of nothing else but experience. Really? I'm sorry. Like, there is something to be said about experience in the playoffs. Everything. Obviously, the, the New Orleans Pelicans, they stick together. In the next two, three years, you're going to see one of the best teams ever. You're going to see the best New Orleans team mm. ever if they stick together. Wow. Uh, yeah, no. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Sorry, so we, we threw you a softball to start. <laughs> we threw you a softball to start. All right, this next one is from Skip Bayless in reference to Tim Duncan stepping up as the head coach or being selected as the person to be the head coach. He said, Tim Duncan is being fast-tracked to take over for Pop. He said, even as soon as next year, is he speaking facts Yes. Really? Um, I, I feel like I feel like the Spurs are very much a in the sense of like a college program, like they are very big about legacy and who they let in and how tight knit they thing is. And I gotta be honest, like Greg Popovich seems to take ain't no teams, he definitely takes a lot of pride in that organization. Yeah. I don't see them just handing over the keys to anybody. Mm. Even if that anybody is Becky Hammond, who's been there, she's she's been an assistant coach, she's had success. You can see that Popovich actually values what she says. Like he 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 brings her in for important situations. He would he would jump her for Tim Duncan. All right. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I, we are rooting for for Becky Hammond. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. First of all, that would be amazing, and it, it ain't like it would be a, a lookout anyway. She's very qualified. You know what I mean? Like she knows what the hell she's talking about. She is a, she is definitely head coach ready. But I'm just saying from, like, I mean, he was out of the game yesterday and look who took over. Right, you know what I mean? Right, like it's right. Just, right. It's not, in the pudding. I'm not saying, you know, that's just the way things are or anything like that. I think both of them are kind of equally uh, equipped to be in that position. But like I said yesterday, you see, uh, see what happened. You see what happened. 
That's true. All yeah. right. Final one. We're going to bring it back to Big East Hoops. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but I need a definitive answer right now. Seeing Hall coach Kevin Willard at the very beginning of the season said this conference, the Big East Conference, goes through Villanova until somebody says otherwise. Is Kevin Willard speaking facts? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say it with your chest, man. Hell yeah, Hell yeah. he is. Hell yeah, he's speaking facts. And like I said, but it's, it's like that's, I, I want to have some humility with it. At the end of the day, you know, the whole rain and chance thing only means that she was a champion last year. Okay. You know that 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 rent is due on success every day. So talk to him. It's gonna be interesting to see how that how Nova shakes out. Um, but I let's let's call it what it is. You know, the conference has been around since 2013, and what is it? Five? Is yep. it five of the of the tournament titles and and six of the regular season titles belong to Nova. So it's like, he's right for right now. He, for yeah. right now. So we got a hell yeah and a hell no nah in one segment from D-Ray. That, that sounds like a pretty good segment, man. And a, and a fuck it. We got a fuck it one time, too. I like that. D-Ray, thank you so much for stopping by and, uh, and speaking facts. I love him. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you love who? LeVar Ball, man. <laughs> He's a different level. Look, there's something to be said about just confidently saying whatever's on your mind, man. Like he, he got no shame anywhere around that, man. I don't even know if it's on his mind. He might just come up with it sometimes. Like, oh, yeah, that'll get him riled up. Let me just shoot that one out there. Look, I envy, I envy that kind of confidence. But, again, thank you, D-Ray, for stopping by and kicking it with us. Tell him, tell everybody one more time where they can find you at, what, what's going on. Tell them, tell them what D-Ray's up to. My man, my man, thank you. Uh, get on www.staytunenetwork.com or look on the, the Instagram or the Twitter. Um, definitely got a lot going on over there. Um, like I said, follow me at d.rey44 on Instagram and D-Ray the director, that's D-R-E-Y the director on Twitter. Uh, hell, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. All that. All that. You know, follow me on there, but also, like I said, follow the Stay Tune Network because we're doing a lot of great things right now. Yes, sir. I've been peeping what you guys got going on in the Stay Tuned Network. It looks like it's blossoming and doing really well. So we'll direct all of our followers to that, and we wish you nothing but the success, man. Hopefully that's not the last time we talked to you, man. We enjoyed having you on the show. Yeah, thanks, D-Ray. I don't know, man. Thank you all for having me. Yes, sir. Whenever we can do it again. Absolutely. All right, take care, man. Go Cats. All right, y'all. Go Cats. I'll holler at y'all. All right. All right, again, we thank Daryl D. Ray Reynolds. Again, follow him on all the social media platforms. See if I can get it. D.Ray44 on Instagram and D.Ray the Director on Twitter. We thank him again for coming. But now it's time to find out what happened this past week of sports. For that, we turn to the lovely Jewel Schmitz. Jewel, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Jake, take notes. See how she answers? Um... I mean, you know, we're doing well. You <laughs> <laughs> like even think twice again God, about it. It's literally pulling teeth to get him to say, like, literally anything. But, Jewel, tell us what happened this past week of sports. First, before I start, I want to say, very cool interview. That Thank was, you for coming on. That was not really awesome. That was fun. That yeah, was awesome. That yeah, was really cool. This past week in sports, Christian Yelich has a contract extension. Deontay Wilder activates his rematch clause against Tyson Fury on July 18th in Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Spike Lee is causing commotion, but rightfully so, and says he's done with watching the Knicks at Madison Square Garden this season. Uh, last but not least, Draymond Green signs a shoe contract with Converse. Okay, let's wow. start it off with the Brewers. The Brewers are very close to an agreement with 28-year-old superstar outfielder Christian Yelich. Yelich, Yelich, Yelich. Yelich. 
No matter. He getting two hundred million dollars <laughs> on a club record contract extension. If completed, it will add seven years and about one hundred ninety million dollars to the two-year guaranteed years left on his current contract for a grand total of nine years and about two hundred fifteen million from two thousand twenty to two thousand twenty-eight. An official announcement is going to happen Friday if both sides can finalize an agreement. For me. I think the Brewers got a steal. Yeah. Like the yeah. Brewers to lock him up for nine years and 219. I mean, think about the rising stars in the MLB and the contracts they just signed. Mm-hmm. Bryce Harper, 330 mil. Say, like- Mike Trout, 420 mil. Nolan Arenado, 360 or something like that. Manny Machado, upwards of $350 million. The Brewers came up. And but- it's. I think that says that Yelich is very happy with where he is. He's not you chasing a bag. brought up very key names that I was going to throw out there. Uh, the deal would place Yelich among the top 20 in baseball history in terms of average annual revenue around $27 million, which is the average re- revenue for baseball, which is absolutely sickening. Right, that, that's <laughs> absolutely crazy. So maybe that's where, that's where he got his consolation. Prizes. I may not get the biggest bag overall, but in terms of yearly value, I'm still getting mines. You, you want to know what's crazy? Because I just had to look this up because I was curious. Uh, Bryce Harper is a year younger than Christian Yelich. Yes, yeah, now in a wild. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Feels like Bryce Harper has been around forever. He's been around since he was 18. But I mean, obviously, that year difference doesn't uh, doesn't make up for the hundred million. And who can? <laughs> and who? We cannot forget who Bryce Harper made his debut against and put the world on oh, notice. Yeah. That was a sad day for the Phillies. Right? Yep. Just to piggyback off what you were saying, James, really quick before we shift over on to right. our next topic, the Brewers' mentality with adding talent to their roster was kind of like they, they didn't set out to be like reconstruct the entire roster. They right. kind of took advantage of opportunities as they came. And uh, the GM, what's his name, David Stern, kind of said, hey, look, um, wh- who did they bring on? They brought on uh, – Besides the yellow tra- the yellow trade, uh, Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, signing. they have Lorenzo Cain um, last year. Yeah, big and move those, for them. To me, those were like rare opportunities that he was like, "Oh, hey, look, uh, nobody else is jumping on this. I will at a, a cost-effective price." And yeah. he he got a good deal out a of it. Very exactly good what move. you're saying. Very good move. Um, as we talked about last week, Deontay Wilder and the Tyson Fury rematch. Uh, what what do we th- what's gonna come about for that? Here's for what fight? I'm gonna say to Deontay. You should have lost the first time. You got your ass kicked the second time. Why do you want to go through this again so quickly? He's not even, that's not even, a, that's not a quick turn, or that's not a long turnaround for boxing. That's no. a quick turnaround that's to it, go in July so and like, it, it, think, it beat again. I, right. It, it is, because I think that's when it had to be. Like, if you do want to fight him again, you have Stubborn. X amount of time to activate your, whatever. Right. But, like, to me, there's a lot of ground for him. Like you said, like, there was a big discrepancy in terms of total skill. Yeah. Like, in both of those matchups, clearly Fury was the better boxer. Um, I know Floyd Mayweather said something. Yeah, he said he said if Deontay Wilder lets Floyd train him, he can tell him exactly how to beat Tyson yeah, Fury. And I, and I think that. that's I right. And I think that's right. This yeah. is going to be the first heavyweight championship trilogy in 20 years. That's going to be awesome. Which is great for the sport of boxing. Like, boxing is, as a heavyweight division goes and especially the champion now here's my question to you two how are they going to top their entrances like it's been slowly building the first time then obviously we just saw Deontay Wilder blink he's gonna be crawling in <laughs> right he's gonna be doing front flips I, I don't know I don't <laughs> for me if, if, if Deontay tries to top his entrance he's defeating himself again he's an idiot like it's proven it was proven that your entrance was part of the reason you were slow so maybe be like Tyson Tyson Fury came in he had a spectacle he had a song but he came in normal just come in normal and focus on boxing not the spectacle of it or, 
come in like Tyson. Mike Tyson, I saw a video of him today. Mike Tyson, obviously, the most ferocious fighter of all time. Walking into like a huge fight, no robe, Silent. no costume, yeah. no shoes I'm there for on. business. Yeah. And probably told him in the ring, I'm about to I'm about to kill you, I'm about to eat your children. Like like this is just nothing more business. terrifying than just having Mike Tyson make a slow saunter to the ring to destroy you in about like, to me what would be even more terrifying is hearing him talk and realize he has the voice of like a pubescent 12 year old <laughs> and he's about to knock you I the think, fuck out i think that's why he ended up like getting into fighting was because well, he was so bullied. Th there were i mean this is going to be the third fight right so the first one was a draw the second one he ended up losing because the ref had to call it in the seventh round um just to reiterate this will be taking place um coming up very shortly on July 18th mm -hmm. back in Las Christ. Vegas. Uh, Wilder, if he wants to get anything out of this, he's definitely going to need to execute a different strategy here because, Word. Uh, well, revenge is on his side. He's, I'm sure he's feeling more hype. He's like, okay, damn, like I just like lost for the first time in like forever. Embarrassingly. I personally think it's going to end the same with him losing just because Fury anticipates his attacks way too smoothly, and I don't think Wilder will be able to kind of shift the way he fights in that short amount of time. I, exactly I, I, very, much I very much agree. very much agree. So I am very excited to talk about this. Spike God. Lee's feud with the Knicks. Um, so after a bizarre dispute before the Knicks game the other night, uh, I don't know if anybody hasn't heard about this by now because it's all over Twitter. It's all over social media against the Houston Rockets on Monday night. Spike Lee says he won't be attending another game this season. In fact, the Knicks super fan who has been a season ticket holder for decades, my ad, said that he's already given away the rest of his tickets for the last 20 games of the seasons. Now, before the game even started, though, a video basically showing Lee being denied access where he usually enters the arena, uh... His defense in the video was, hey, no one told me. I'm staying right there. Now, if you want to arrest me like Charles Oakley, then go on ahead. He then took his frustration to first take, where he yeah. stated he was It's a very, being, very powerful PR move by Spike Lee. Quote, unquote, harassed yeah. by... Uh, very powerful PR move by, by the, Spike Lee. Uh, the owner, uh, James Dolan. Now, Stephen A., it's funny you brought that up, saying, like, okay, it was an interesting PR move, because Stephen A. actually even brought that up, saying, like, hey, look... Um, <laughs> Like, don't you think Knicks fans or people wanting to come onto the team are going to be turned the wrong way now that yeah. you're jumping on yeah. one of the most watched shows in sports television? Yeah. Like, what's up? I think Stephen A. did a very good job of of realizing all angles and not just being the hype man that we got Spike Lee and not just feeding the narrative that he knows is going to get a lot of clicks. He was very, very candid with Spike Lee and saying, like, look, there's a downside to you coming on the show, and I, I need you to realize that because as much as we're going to sit here and defend you, and yes, we get to feed the narrative of, of look how bad the Knicks are, look how bad James Dolan is, like— in 10 years, maybe when this blows over, Spike, like, you make, this may cause a big backlash on your favorite team. I think at the end of the day, though, as fair as Stephen A. was interviewing him, he did kind of circle back and say, like, hey, I haven't even been an MSG this entire season. Mm -hmm. um, and he did quote, this is exactly what he said, no other owner in basketball would have issued that statement that he did yesterday. And Stephen A. is right. It came off very petty that he came out with that Instagram post that basically said, hey, look, no, we're all good. Me and Spike are tight. Spike said, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I, I never, like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I was actually talking with um, one of the guys I work with is a huge Nick, Knicks fan, and he told me, he's like, look, James Dolan, we all know he's a psychopath. And I, he thought, which makes sense to me, that this, the issue... Is all with the issue with Spike Lee is all stemmed from what's going on on the other coast, the West Coast, where uh, the, the MSG company 
is suing Inglewood for trying to, I guess, sell the forum to the Clippers, mm-hmm. um, or at least build a stadium for the Clippers in Inglewood. So this is James Dolan's way of like, he's a crazy man. And he's going to make sure that everyone knows, hey, this is my building. You, you have control, to come in the yeah. entrance I tell you to come in. This is my building. I still have control. I still have X, Y, Z. So, like, that, I, I honestly do give credence to that. I think that they are connected in some way. Right. And, and I, I want to, but right before you move on, Jewel, like, the statement that the New York, the New York Knicks released, like, let me... Th- just tell me if this sounds like a professional team. This is some sex-great girl petty listen, shit. Thank really. you. It was listen, real listen. weird. The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him not to use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden, is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. He is welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed to last night when they shook hands. Now, just adding flames to the fire. That that sounds like a 16-year-old girl or 16-year-old boy who got broken up with and is now like subtweeting on Twitter. Like that, that doesn't sound like a professional they need PR organization. Bad, I thought they need, the they need ownership bad. change. Well, yeah, I think Leon Rose will help. He just, I think, got instituted either he did. today or yesterday. He did, and he's so, at his first job, it just hit his desk. <laughs> the first job yeah. just hit his desk yeah. on his first day. All right, all right. So Draymond Green is signing a shoe contract with Converse, which I think is super cool. I'm a huge Chuck Taylor fan. Uh, Draymond Green is signing that shoe deal with Converse, becoming the brand's highest-profile athlete. By joining Probably. Converse, <laughs> he becomes the brand's biggest NBA name since it repped Heat star Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. when he left huh. back in 2009. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, I think he was the right pick because he's having a very consistent season. I think he was the right pick just because his fellow well, colleagues are the bigger names that Nike Nike owns Converse first and foremost. Um, the guys signed to Nike are the bigger names. LeBron, Giannis, right. KD, Paul George, Kyrie Irving. I think it'll be interesting him kind of repping the subsidiary and mm-hmm. having his own kind of it's it's kind of it. like a microcosm of Draymond Green right. like he's he's a, he's a household name but he's not the best one on the floor that's kind of converse everyone knows what converse is but it's not the best one on the floor yeah and they they came out actually with his first signature shoe there was a mock up of it it's called the Fugly Ones I knew you were going to be <laughs> I didn't know that was the name of it it was that's called the not. the Wendell the Wendell ones the Hogotty ones <laughs> But, Look, uh, D Wade once he said, "Yo, but until you get your signature shoe, rep the uh, re- rep the retro D so Wades." Is he gonna wear like the lace up like Wilt Chamberlain like Jake? 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 No, he's I gonna have hope ankles, so. He's I, gonna have ankle dude, support. I'm a huge okay, Chuck I was like, say, like the Warriors should be pissed about. I'm this not sure. So. Well, <laughs> Kelly Oubre right now is was also signed to Converse. Like, that's very under the radar. And he wore... The shoes that they wear, they look like wrestling shoes. Like, they don't look like basketball shoes, but then again, Kelly Oubre doesn't have a signature shoe to his name. He just is signed to Converse. And just to kind of put a cap on this, because it crossed my mind since it was the anniversary of Wilt's 100-point anniversary, could you imagine scoring 100 points in a With no ankle support? With... The most uncomfortable shoes out there. Put it on it. Put it on its head. Imagine if Wilt was working with a hyperdunk. <laughs> Imagine if Wilt had LeBron 17s on feet. Wilt might still be playing. Yeah. Like imagine yeah. if Wilt had actual ankle support. It'd be scary. Yeah. All right, guys, let's head up to the countdown now. Number five. Number five, the number of players in NBA history to lead the league in win shares in five out of the six seasons. LeBron, Jordan, Kareem, Wilt. And Neil Johnston. Now, Harden would be the sixth if he held on 
to his win shares, win shares lead this season. He leads Giannis by 1.2 win shares. Uh, who the hell is Neil Johnson? Please, Neil Johnson Matt. Was a bas- Neil Johnson was a basketball player from before Bill Russell entered the league, oh. and I consider Bill Matt. Russell... Actually, Bob Cousy was the first ever good basketball player. So, <laughs> so... You needed number five. <laughs> <laughs> and Neil Johnston got us there. Nailed it. Oh, thank you. Number four. Number of multi-point games Travis Konechny has had during the Flyers' six-game win streak. There it is. Our one, our one ding, NHL ding, thing. Ding. We got it. We got no, it. No, but the Flyers have been Hot. on We might be fire, talking dude. about them a little yeah, more. Yeah, we might yeah, have to. Man. You I mean, mean you're going to tell me I have to watch hockey games now? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I can't see the puck on the TV. Yeah. I don't know what's going they used on. To, they used to highlight it because people had that problem. I literally can't um, see it. But I do know that the Flyers are playing tonight as we record Wednesday, playing for the number one position in the Metropolitan Division, playing the team that they're, what, a game back of the Caps, Caps. right now? Yep. So, shout out to the Flyers. It's the one team I think we all can agree on in I this room. I can see you being a bandwagon fan. First of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, Jewel, it's not bandwagon. That's just how hockey goes. That's, yeah, that's, you don't care to the playoffs. I, well, they're, I don't care to the playoffs. Holders and and the people who watch the playoffs. And here's the thing. Since I'm not an avid hockey fan, by default, I root for the team in my city. There you go. There it is. There I root go. for the Flyers. Okay. Why can't you just let me root for the Flyers? Or you got to put an asterisk next to it? Because you know how I compliment people. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Backhand them while I'm at it. Number I'll three. I'll a hockey jersey for one of the shows. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Number three. The number of MLB teams that are 1,500 to 1 odds to win the World Series. That's the Tigers, the Rangers, and the Royals. Like, 1,500 to 1? And I know as the degenerate gambler that you are... You've probably put a bet down on one of these yeah, teams. Spread, sprinkle three on each one. <laughs> like it's, it's wasted money. That's all that is is, is them trying to uh, entice teams to or entice uh, betters to bet on those teams. Leicester City won the Premier League title in 2016. It was five thousand to one. People made a lot of money. Yeah, stranger things have happened. Putting a dollar on. Each of those teams yeah, but is I can't. Not that bad yeah, but 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 they're terrible. <laughs> There's a reason they have that bad odds. They're terrible. Number two, the number of linebackers who have ran a four a sub four four forty yard dash at the combine. Shaquem Griffin four point three eight and Isaiah Simmons four three nine. That's someone who we talked about. If he does really do well in a specific event like the 40-yard dash, could really shoot up draft boards. I wouldn't be surprised to see him even in the top five now. Well, think about how NFL defenses are right now. There's so many versatile players on the field. The, the Griffin brothers are a great example of it. In Seattle, you have Shaquem Griffin who can play both edge or all three, edge rusher, linebacker, and can be like a nickel or dime corner if you have multiple D-backs on the field. Just being able to play multiple positions really helps you. And like that's, that's a scary like athlete. That's a scary human being to be. That big? What was he like? Six four, like two thirty or yeah, something yeah. like that? And can run four three nine? Has DB level speed? That's it. They're gonna use him as like I imagine like the Eagles use Malcolm Jenkins as like a safety. Yeah. Bring him up into the, the Cam, box. Cam Chance. How Cam Chance uh, uh, was used with the with the yeah, Seahawks? Yeah. Like, dude, I could see if he's there when Seattle picks, which he probably won't be. But I could see Seattle jumping. They love that kind of player. That's just who fits, who fits their mold. Bring it down to number one. Number one is for Karis LeVert being the first player to score 51 while only scoring 14 points in the first three quarters. So Karis LeVert against the Boston Celtics on Tuesday night had 14 points going into the fourth quarter and at the end of OT had a 50-burger. That's crazy. Like I like, And I watched the highlights, so obviously. It was I easy get, buckets. I get how he did it, um, but it's like... 
it's just so and I guess that's why it's so rare is because like even if you are getting easy looks like at some point you get heat check and it just bongs and and now and now you or get back into the or someone starts offense. playing defense. <laughs> right, well, like, Celtics, man, that was I. I don't know. They're a well coached team. That's very uncharacteristic. To put up thirty seven in two periods is pretty crazy. Yeah, that's like, nuts. That's pretty crazy. But uh, we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. But we can get some shots about the buzzer. Matt, got anything to say at the buzzer? Oh, here you go again. <laughs> oh, here you go again. I knew that was gonna happen. Bloomberg dropped out. Talk about it. <laughs> Never give up. This is going to be vague. Okay. Never give up hope on long-term projects that you knew were going to be long-term projects. A.K.A. Straight Facts. Was that one of my... Did you see my steal my quote thing? My quote idea? I, you uh, better not have. I did 1,572 calls for a <laughs> congressional candidate in Texas that lost by three points. Oh, you did your job, though, Matt. You, you put your part in. No, but uh, that's, that's speaking facts if I've ever heard of it. A lot of things are long plays, like stay hard, stay determined, stay the course. Maba mentality. Jewel, got anything to say at the buzzer? I do. I have a very, very special shout-out today, and that shout-out is to Thomas Snacksley. And yes! I think it's only appropriate yes! with March Madness around the corner to be addressing this. Uh, so the Jackson State team manager was named Southwestern Athletic Conference Player of the Week. So as the men's basketball team manager since 2015, his duties have included gathering basketballs for practice, washing uniforms, and organizing team meals on the road, and in his four years as team manager, Lee had never played a second of collegiate basketball mm. until the other night when he drained a three. Uh, <laughs> cashed it out. And you know From what? From deep, Jordan. From deep, Jordan. Then they ended up winning 76-56 to 56 over Arkansas. And Kevin Durant even quote-tweeted him and gave him a shout-out saying, I see you, Snipe. Yeah, I see you, Snipe. That's, My that's, guy, that's Snacks. Really cool. First team on nickname, Snacks. Yeah. That's that's. I good. was about it. I'm all, that's awesome that you highlighted him because I was really cool to see that the gym was going crazy too. He Do you was, want to hear my quote of the week? He now? was loving. Yeah, come on, give it to me. It's my quote of the week. You don't, <laughs> you don't get quotes of the week. All right, so um, my quote of the week is this: "Die with memories, not dreams." I love it. Ooh. Amen. I love it. Yeah, I like the jewel positive quote. I do. I do like the jewel positive quote. Uh, the, don't don't bring the negativity down with your at the buzzer. What you no, got to say? No, it's good. It's good. It's been three year, two and a half years in the making. Eternal a take from Lil yes, is dropping. scheduled to uh, at some point very soon. It's been incredibly active, and he's making some sort of like short movie that I saw. I mean, I'm a huge fan, so I'm I'm very anxious to. To find out what Look, it sounds like. I, I haven't, you know this, I haven't always been the biggest Uzi supporter. Yeah, since, since the last album to this one, you be, you became a fan? I, I've, I've come around a little bit. Ah. I had a tough time jumping on the Sanguine Paradise bandwagon, and I don't know. I was listening to it one day, and you know how sometimes you just got to be in the right element for a song to hit you? It came on, started shaking my car speakers, and I was... I gave a, a meme mug like this, <laughs> and I was like, oh, Uzi might have one. So ever since then, I've been, I've been on the bandwagon. Shout out, Philly. That way, his new song, That Way. No, it, it goes. The chorus is like a slightly like edited, uh, I want it that Oh, yeah? Way. The Backstreet Boys, I think that is. Backstreet Boys. I think I so. I want it that way. Yeah. We're all looking at you, Jewel, like you would know that. I'm looking back at Jake because I'm very shocked he just did that. <laughs> That's funny. Well, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Look, Backstreet Boys used to hit back yeah. in the day. I'm not even going to lie. Um, all, right, all I have to say at the buzzer is... You you talked about it before we got on the air, but I was driving into work today, and the sun was out, 
birds were chirping, it wasn't freezing cold. I didn't bring a jacket today to work. Let me tell you how happy I am that it is starting to get warm out. Now, we know Pennsylvania weather is going to drop back down to the 40s this weekend, but let's enjoy the next two to three days that we have of sunny and 60 degree and 50 degree weather because I don't know about y'all, but seasonal depression is real. I, I want there to be a spring. I feel like it's always just winter and then right it's to summer. summer. I, like, want, I a spring. want a spring. That crisp, like that nice crisp air feel where it's not too hot that you're sweating, but it's not too cold that you need 5,000 layers 72 on. 72 degrees. Perfect. And, and, I, and I want that. That too, but that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Man, it was a good one. Thank you again to Daryl D. Ray Reynolds for coming and dropping some knowledge about the Big East and Villanova basketball. Hope that when we get off the air right now, that they're beating Seton Hall and not losing. Matt, do we have a, a score update? I don't know if you're watching though. No. Uh, 830 start. Oh, 830. Dan comes on late. We might go home for it. All right, I'm gonna rustle, I'm gonna rush home for it. But that's all the time we have. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robertson for doing what they do behind the camera for my partner Joel Smits. And real, it's been fun, it's been real fun. To my main man's Jake Galley, I am James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up. Straight up.